I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And it is Wednesday, February 15th, 7.38 Central Time, 8.38 Eastern Time. And we've got a nice little podcast planned today, and it's all around a viewer question or a fan question. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to it. And Drew, we're just going to jump right into it. But we've gotten a lot of questions this offseason about what to make of Texas A&M, the number one ranked recruiting class in the 2022 cycle in the history of college football. A year later, the Aggies sitting at number 15, a, a roller coaster of a year on the field for Jimbo Fisher, a really pivotal year this next year in College Station. So I'm going to start with a question from our friend Rodney King at Rodney King 06. We appreciate you listening to the show, my friend. He said, Something that made me say, hmm, how did Texas A&M go from the greatest recruiting class ever in 2022 to barely making the top 15 in the recruiting rankings in 2023? Was it really about the number of recruits, the size of the class, question mark? And Andrew, I'm going to just tee you up because just talking to you before the show, I think you and I are on different different sides of the aisle here, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but... I'll let you uh, take the first stab at. Well, Coop, I know you're going to come in here. You're going to point out that the number 15 ranked recruiting class is still a very talented group. Um, the gap between 16 and 15 is quite significant. So I understand that side of the argument. But I think the common fan, to steal a phrase from our buddy, uh, Josh Pate, the, the, the casual, the, right? The casual. The casual is probably wondering how Jimbo Fisher signs what was the, the greatest haul ever one year and then stumbles down the stretch and, and they pulled off some, some, some late flips there. You know, Raymond Cottrell is the guy they got in the boat after the buzzer. Uh, Ruben Owens was obviously a big one, but um, you, you remove some of those guys and it's, it, it's a class that even falls closer to, to 20 if we're playing with the, the class calculator. So, you know, I, I wrote down a ton of different things about why I think Texas A&M took a step back. We can get into the the transfers and, and the bad apples, as you want to call it, uh, in a little bit. But I, I just want to point out some things. Remember, Texas A&M had a major coaching change uh, prior to the 2022 season. Mike Elko out, DJ Durkin in. Elko went to Duke. Duke just had one of its greatest seasons ever. We've talked about it, the Oyster Boys. Uh, 
for a while. Just we love what Mike Elko is doing from a recruiting standpoint at, at Duke. And I'm not saying he was the key cog in that elite group for the Aggies, but you're, you're moving a defensive coordinator who, who wore a, a variety of different hats. There was also some more coaching changes for Texas A&M prior to that season kicking off. Go back to the first week of August, right before that preseason camp. Remember, Jimbo kind of shuffled that offensive staff. Damian Craig went to he, – he took over at quarterback. James Coley to wide receiver. Daryl Dickey to tight end. Um, I don't know. That, that, that seems like a little – Little, little of a weird audible, and, and remember that that audible would have came right after their big uh, July barbecue um, party. Uh, I also looked at the official visits. Uh, Aggies brought in thirty-one spring and summer official visitors, so that's guys that came in March or April or June. Thirty-one guys. They signed just five of them, right? Signed just five of them. One of them was a punter. Our guy Tyler White, he's a stud, four-star punter, first first four-star punter in, in 24/7 sports history. But I don't know. I I just think there was some some changes behind the scenes, right? And then you get to the season. Texas A&M goes five and seven. They lose six straight. Okay, that's going to make it hard to recruit. Um, and then the one loss I think that really sticks out is that one to Appalachian State, which was was before that uh, big losing streak. So. I got some other stuff written down, but but to me, I think it was the changing and restructuring of staffs. Um, I, I I think that played a factor in how things went in the spring and how they went in the, in the summer. I mean, you bring in thirty-one official visitors and you get just five of them. Like that's not a it's not good. You make a good point with the staff turnover. The other one that I would say, Marshall Malkow, used to head up the recruiting for Jimbo Fisher in College Station. He also departed and is now in Eugene with Dan Lanning in Oregon. Obviously, we're big fans of what they're doing. I bring him up. I I, I don't typically bring up guys behind the scenes in the personnel side because it's like I've been in that position, and I'm not saying you know I'm I'm, I'm exclusively it, but some sometimes a lot of those things that are happening are outside of your control. You're really just a facilitator, but a facilitator, especially at a, at a program like Texas A&M, it's important. You got you, you have to have alignment, especially between the program and the collective in terms of A&M being as aggressive they, as they are in the NIL space. That structure is important. You talked about, about Mike Elko, right? Getting the head coaching opportunity at Duke. I think those are all good points. For me, I expect it. Some some type of drop off from Texas A&M after this 2022 class, not only because of the quality of talent, but the quantity of talent. We're talking about these guys signing 30 players. So naturally, your needs are going to be a little bit different. You're not going to sign 30 players in consecutive classes unless you're you're really trying to turn that roster over. And that would be more earlier in a head coach's tenure than where Jimbo Fisher is right now, a little bit more established. And you look at A&M, and, and the reason I bring it up, you, you kind of brought up my counterpoints before, but like, you know, you're looking at A&M right now, the classes in front of them, Florida, Penn State, USC, you know, we've heaped a lot of praise on, on both those programs in Florida and Penn State. We like the job that they've done behind them. Also heaped a lot of praise on South Carolina. I know this might be a little bit of foreign territory for him, we talked about it, I think it was right after signing day, how there was a big, you know, people 
look at the rankings and I think they they take a step back and they say, oh, oh, this team is 15, this team is 16. But if you look at the point differential, I think that kind of paints a, a little bit of a different story. You look at Texas A&M, only one point separates them in Florida, only two points separate them in Penn State, so on and so forth. The, really, the big jump comes with Clemson at 11. So you can kind of pod USC at 12, Penn State at 13, Florida at 14, A&M at 15 together. And then there's another drop-off. And then there's South Carolina at 16. 13 points separate South Carolina and Texas A&M between the 15th and 16th spot. A&M only signed 19, 19 prospects. South Carolina signed 24. So in terms of the quality of talent that Texas A&M is bringing in, I mean, we can go down the line here, but a lot of guys that we like, Ruben Owens, Chase Basanis, Micah Tease, who was a guy that we we really liked in the process. Jaden Platt, who they flipped from Stanford. Colton Thompson, who had a solid week in San Antonio. David Hicks was a big surprise, right? Everybody thought he was leaning towards Oklahoma. Dalton Brooks, Bravian Rogers. We can kind of go down the line here, and I'll, I'll give it to you. I mean, it's not resembling the quantity or quality of the class the year before, but I think that was expected. That being said, if I'm an A&M fan, I'm not panicking, but I'm also sitting here saying, hey, listen, we're very capable. We just had the highest ranked recruiting class in, in college football history. If you want to make the argument that they should have been closer to the top 10, closer to Clemson than they are to, to, to USC, I'm completely on board with that. So I think the answer for me is somewhere in the middle. That's that's what I would say. And I think if you're A&M, if you want to to, to, to get to that national championship standard. Obviously, there's a lot of on-field issues, but you got to continue to recruit with urgency. They obviously did that in 2022. That being said, this is not like the, the 15th ranked recruiting class is still a very good class, and there's a lot of things to be excited about if you're an Aggies fan, in my opinion. You look at 2022, you know, it, there's some guys that have already departed, but you know, Evan Stewart, bright spot, LT Overton, bright spot, same with Shamar Stewart, everything they brought in on the defensive line. You found your quarterback of the future in Connor Wigman, right? Denver Harris, Chris Marshall, both those guys out, Jacoby Matthews, Anthony Lucas out, but like they played a lot of young guys last season. So if there is a silver lining in the year that they had on the field last year for me is that they played a lot of a lot of these young guys. And they got to learn which of these guys were going to be contributors, which of these guys were going to be the epitome of what they wanted off the field as well. And I think they followed it up with a solid class that had a chance to be better. But I certainly didn't expect them in the top five. But if, uh, six through 12 was kind of the landing spot for me. And they landed a little bit outside of that. So I'm not, I'm not fully shocked and I'm not really pressing the panic button either. I don't think you are. But I do think it's fair to say that they didn't live up to expectations this cycle. Can I point out some other things that I think contributed to uh, the slide for the Aggies besides the on-field results? Um, what about Texas putting together the class that they did? I think them getting momentum with Arch Manning allowed them to kind of flex their muscle, right? Anthony Hill, one-time Texas A&M commit. Um, I I think it made it easier when you had the most well-known or, or biggest recruit ever in the boat for 
Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns to assemble their own greatest of all time type of class. And um, we always talk about what the Aggie or excuse me, what the Longhorns did on offense. I think what they did on defense is, is just as impressive. I also think new head coaches at Florida, Miami, LSU, you could even toss Dan Lanning and Oregon out there. Uh, and that 2022 group, uh, Aggies got four guys from Georgia, right? Bulldogs just won back-to-back national titles. I think it's making it getting a little bit harder to go in the Peach State. Two from Florida and then two from Louisiana. And this 2023 class, Aggies just signed one guy from one of those states, and that was one kid from Florida, Raymond Cottrell, who I said they got at the buzzer after Georgia went after some transfers. So I think that played a, a little bit of a factor into it as well. Uh, Coop, the question I did have written down for you because – you mentioned it. You've been on the personnel side. And I had a, a, a college contact bring this up to me uh, right before the early signing period when they were all out on the road and talking about the current NIL landscape. And um, they said Texas A&M, this is, this is when kind of that 2022 class, we started seeing some of those guys go in the transfer portal, Daniel Harris, Chris Marshall, Smoke Bowie. Um, Anthony Lucas, all blue chippers, all top two, four, seven talents. They said, keep an eye on Texas A&M. They're, they're the Petri dish of all this. And I, I said, what do you mean? He said, this, they are the, one of the first ones to, to kind of go out and get this, this, this wide ranging class from all around the country with all this star power. I mean, I go back to the 2022 Under Armour All-American game. I think the Aggies had like 16 guys there. We tried to take a photo of all of them and we could barely fit them in there because uh, they had so many guys. And uh, just, just they just brought up the, the locker room dynamic and how it kind of changed things. And, and and when you think about it, right, those 2023 recruits, when they come on campus, they're, they're normally going to talk to the freshmen, right? And, and they can hear different things. So I think that they're the ones hosting these kids on visits. So I guess my question to you is, you know, how do you kind of balance it? Have you ever been in a situation like that where you, where you kind of have to balance a new recruiting class and trying to pair guys with, with the right hosts and, and, and visits. And, and do you think that could have contributed to maybe this slide a little bit in, in 23 for Texas A&M? No, but it is a good point. I mean, I think not every prospect is created equally, right? There's going to be prospects that get more attention in the process because of their status. And I think you go back to Oregon in the one year that I was there, like, you know, that was Justin Flo. That was Noah Sewell. That was Kingsley Suamatea. They got a lot of special treatment. And, you know, you look back and Noah Sewell was declaring for the draft. Justin Flo is transferred to Arizona. Kingsley Suamatea didn't even last a year before transferring to BYU. And I'm not saying that these guys were high maintenance in some cases that they were, but I do think it's a, it's a good point. There's two ways to look at it. I think, you know, you can, it's, it's the glass. Is it half full or half empty? And I think if you're A&M and you're Jimbo Fisher, it's okay. Give me this plethora of talent and I'm going to have to find a way to make it work. The other side of this is, okay, you got a lot of elite level talent. Now these guys are being compensated in a way that we have never seen before in college football. And you're going to have to manage all these egos and expectations and, and balance that in your locker room psychologically, which I think is so much more 
of a, of a potential issue than, than people think if you do not have the right leadership in place. I don't know. I'm not saying this. I'm just suspecting this, that I don't know if A&M put a lot of time into to the question you just raised, right? Like, all right, the investment in terms of the, the expectations when these guys get to school here. I mean, we saw a lot of off-field issues, right? Between P.J. Williams kind of being one of those guys, Smoke Bowie being one of those guys, Chris Marshall, so on and so forth, where it seems like a lot of these guys came in with entitlement and were being compensated. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, even if you pay for play, which is legal and above board, you need to have the expectations when everybody steps in this locker room, everybody's an equal and what the standard is and how we approach our business. And that doesn't change just because the dollar dollar amount in your pocket. And I'm not sure, you know, A&M's going through that. Maybe Miami's going to go through that a little bit with the class that they just signed. But that's difficult, man. We're talking about 17, 18-year-olds making hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And then, not to mention the way that that's public knowledge now. And you, you, you're going to walk with a little bit different of a pep in your step at 17, 18. Shoot, I know I would. If I was getting paid that money, I know how I would look upon myself at 17, 18 years old. I don't have the perspective that I do now at 30. You know, 12 years ago, it would probably make me think a different way, and that would go straight to my head. You know, so you got to you gotta take that into consideration. I, I certainly think that that played a role in terms of, yeah, there's a big adjustment period. But if I'm Jimbo Fisher, at least that falls on me. At least that falls on my shoulders. I'm the guy that's got to get that right. And guess what? If you can't get on board with that, Go get paid somewhere else, you know, because as Texas A&M shown, they're plenty capable of attracting some of the best players in the country, whether that's via high school or through the transfer portal as well. But to me, this this starts at the top, and that starts with Jimbo Fisher, and he's got to be the one to say this is the standard in terms of the way that we expect you to behave and what type of teammate you're going to be when you when you come to College Station. I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe those conversations did happen, but if I had to guess, looking at everything that transpired this 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 past season, I would have to say not. So I think culturally, like you got to root that out early. And if not, I mean that that can that can be the poison that brings the whole thing down. And I think a good example of having the culture right is as cliche and obvious as it sounds. Kirby Smart in, in Georgia, right? Didn't Kirby Smart say after the title the title win and everyone talks about people doubting him, but I, he had a more interesting comment. I, I can't find it, but you got to have everyone in that in that build the building kind of believing in, in the process and the vision. And I mean, look at Georgia. I mean, you go to Georgia, you don't even have to start there. You can transfer to another school on the defensive side of the ball and still find your way uh, to the NFL. So I do think it's kind of in, inside that building you got you to gotta figure out the egos and build that right culture. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I will say this, Andrew, you bring up a good point. You know, you talk about believing in the process. The process is proven at Georgia and at Alabama. Like there's proof in the pudding. When you when you walk in to a locker room with Nick Saban or now Kirby Smart, who has two national championships to his name, it's a proven process. And what I mean by that is not only if you go through the process, you're going to be rewarded individually in a team setting as well, but from an NFL draft development too. I mean, you look at the resume of Kirby Smart and Nick Saban over the last couple of years, it's hard, it's hard to argue. So yeah, you might not like certain aspects of how each of these guys operate, but the process is proven. And no one player is bigger than the process. Outside of a national championship at Florida State, what is Jimbo Fisher pointing to at Texas A&M as a reference point? And I'm not saying Jimbo Fisher isn't a good coach or he's not incredibly capable, but I think Saban and Smart are, are different in that area than what we've seen from, from Jimbo Fisher. And this, this is the thing, because from a talent standpoint, a year from now, the Aggies aren't going to be looking too different than what they have in Athens and Tuscaloosa. I mean, what they brought in at the defensive line, what they brought in at the receiver position, they got the guy at the quarterback position they, they believe can make it go. I mean, they're as talented as hey, any team what, in the country. What, what about the talent they got out of the transfer portal? Right. Tony Grimes. Former former five-star corner. Former former, former five-star corner. One of the few reclassification projects that's actually worked out. Sam McCall as well, right, who you and I really, really like. That's an interesting one. Another DB was at Florida State. Another defensive back. So, I mean, they're talented, and, and they keep attracting guys. And, you know, A&M – whether you want to call it NIL, whatever it is. I mean, they got a little bit of gravity to them. Like, I thought that David Hicks was a little bit of a surprise, and that was kind of them saying, like, hey, we're still here, right? Ruben Owens, I think we all knew that he wasn't going to stick with Louisville, but that was a big gift for them. You know, Drew, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. I'm going to tee you up, but, like, when you look at take everything into consideration, Texas, TCU, the way TCU's recruited this year, Texas A&M, is there a name or two that kind of pops in your mind? You're like, you know, we talked about Raymond Cottrell and, and, a, and a really solid player, right, that they flipped late. But, like, I think of, like, man, Cordell Russell, Jelani yeah. McDonald, you know, guys like that. And, and one goes to TCU, one goes to Texas, and they're just kind of floating out there. And you wonder, like, man, they could have got their hands on those guys if they wanted to. That's the type of stuff that I'm like, 
you got to get those right. Those are the ones you got to hit on the guys in your backyard. And I'm going to yeah. say Texas is a big backyard, but if they're in Texas, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. Uh, so some of the, the two the two that stick out to me, and I can't remember who said this. It might have been Mike Roach, our guy that covers Texas 247. We're at the Under Armour All-America game, and you see Malik Muhammad, top 247 corner, uh, South South Oak Cliff right there in Dallas, um, really talented corner, a, a guy that can cover. And then you have Jonte Cook, uh, wide receiver. Um, and I don't know if it was Roach that said this to me, but just you, you're seeing these kids interact and – he goes, man, if this was last year, the 2022 cycle, like both these kids are going to Texas A&M uh, and, and they both end up at Texas. So those are two that jump out to me, um, just guys that it's like, yeah, like, I, I you know, I, I don't want to say Jonte Cook's a, a, a poor man's Evan Stewart, but like they're similar players um, that can do similar things. So those those are two that, that stand out. Um, I wanted to ask you before we wrap this up, because I know we're, we're keeping it on the on the shorter side for these Wednesday podcasts, Texas A&M does already have a few commitments in the 2024 cycle, uh, including a quarterback who we've talked about kind of at, at length behind the scenes at, at 24 seven sports already. And his name's Anthony Maddox out of Mississippi. Uh, dad was a defensive tackle in the NFL, I think for the Eagles for a few seasons. Um, guy that we have a mid three-star grade on. We are continuing to audit our 2024s. Cooper, I thought you had a great kind of player comparison for him or, or, or someone that reminds you of. And for those that don't know, when, when Maddox committed, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, there were stories out there that Bobby Petrino, who was now the OC in College Station, was was comparing this kid to uh, Lamar Jackson. I think that's a little, little far-fetched after the, the watch of a playoff game, but he is kind of a beanpole and he can rip it. Not really a run-first guy. Um, but there's definitely something there. Yeah, I don't really understand the the Lamar Jackson comparisons there from a from an athlete standpoint. I mean, it was he had one rushing touchdown this past season. He had 347 yeah. yards on the ground. You remember that play like Lamar Jackson in high school, where he like runs, stops, and the guy kind of flies by him. Like, there's none oh, of that. I remember that one. Oh yeah. But, you know, looking at Maddox, and he's a guy in my area in Hattiesburg. You know, it's funny. I went back in my notes, and I remember he, he didn't have much going on. And this was the guy, Drew, that I remember. I, you know, I contacted some people at, at Alabama and say, hey, have you, have you guys watched this? Have y'all watched this kid? You know, he's, he's raw. He's kind of silky. And immediately the name that jumped out that you're referring to is James Blackman, who Jimbo Fisher had at Florida State, who was really raw. And I believe he came out of the state of Florida, right? Yeah, from the and muck, man. I was I was in the muck last night, so he's from the he, muck. He he was a guy that really natural thrower of the football, but was super raw, and you just felt like he had a ways to go. And maybe it would click in the next level, and you understood why Jimbo would want to take a shot at him. And I believe Blackman finished his career at Arkansas State with with Butch Jones this past season, but. You know, kind of the – I want to say he's further ahead. I, I will give him that in terms of his physical development as a passer as well. I mean, he had a, a TD to INT ratio of 20 to 3. This is a guy that I like. I do believe he's got, you know, four-star traits. You look at the frame, six foot two, 175 pounds. The ball pops out of his hand. And I don't necessarily have an issue with Texas A&M taking him right now. But what I will say is, like – 
Marcel Reed was another guy that kind of fits in in the same category that they took and, and signed out of the state of Tennessee, was formally committed to Ole Miss, that he needs some refinement as well at the next level. And there's some traits there to work with. But now you got two years in a row where you take quarterbacks that need a little bit of polish that I would consider more raw than actually developed. And I think Marcel Reed and Anthony Maddox both fall into that category. So you're banking a lot on Connor Wigman. And like I said, it's it's, it's not necessarily an end result concern or issue that I have. But we just talked about Texas A&M and their ability to go out and how capable they are of putting a class like they did together in 2022. And we've seen what they've done with a class where they signed less than 20 prospects in 2023, and it's still good enough for the top 15. So A&M's as capable as any program in the country on the recruiting trail, in my opinion. I understand the quarterback dominoes are starting to fall. And we just talked about how deep and how little separation there was in 2 through 11 in the arms in 2024. I mean, you got Jimbo Fisher, who's got a really good quarterback development resume. Now with Bobby Petrino. Between both of those guys, you just feel like they could have been a little bit more patient and a little bit more aggressive and locked in on a guy that they felt completely convicted about. And maybe they do feel that way about Anthony Maddox, and that's no disrespect to him. But to be to to take a guy this early in the process that is a little bit more on the raw side, I don't understand it. And this is what I always talk about program awareness on the recruiting trail it's 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 very important some some coaches have it some some coaches don't if you're a&m you need to understand that you swing a really big stick not only in the state of texas but in the sec conference and now nationally because of what you did in 2022 and plus you need to get this right you you need to get this quarterback position right this is the position under Jimbo Fisher, historically, that unlocks the rest of the roster. And for me, we're talking about 2024 and that being a deep class. And you look at some of the names at the top, like, yeah, maybe, you, maybe you're not in love. But, you know, DJ Lagway, long way to go. Who knows what happens with Florida, right, out of the state of Texas. Walker White was another guy from Arkansas. He's, go he's going to, to Auburn now. So you already got a couple of these guys flying off the board. But what about Air Nolan? The guy that we talked about on yesterday's show, he's already been on campus. And if AM really wanted to get involved and start pushing, there's opportunities there for them on this board. So that's that's what I would say. And I'm not pushing back so much on Anthony Maddox. I am pushing back on the process or lack thereof, especially coming off a year where you're like, I just hate I hate the process of like, hey, we got our guy. So maybe we got a little bit more leeway. Right. And there's going to be years like that. Like if you're Texas, yeah, perceptionally, it's going to be hard to sell the year after Arch Manning. But I don't think that's the case with Connor Wigman. And you go get Marcel Reed and then you, you take Maddox early. It's just like, you know, and I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They know a lot more than we do in terms of who's receptive and who's warm to them and, and kind of where do they stand. But I don't know. I think they could have really let this play out a little bit more. And if like the the thing with AM is like if a guy's batting you away, you're Texas AM. Just keep coming. 
You know, like we were able to do that at places like Michigan. Like the brand is strong enough to where they're going to pick up the phone every single time. And that's, that's kind of how I feel about them. I thought it was early to take a guy like Maddox at this point. Maddox just picked up an offer from Louisville. So we'll see what happens there. Now you brought up some interesting points about different arms and how the dominoes are are falling and, and the order that they're falling. And James Blackman, by the way, 15 and 29 as a starter in seven years of college football, actually six. Wild. Look, look forward to seeing him in the CFL. But uh, to my point, I thought Florida State reached on him. Yeah. Well, Jimbo's had 10 quarterbacks drafted. I get it. But you can still be, you know, and, and I know you know this too, but like it's what have you done for me lately? That's the world we live in. Yeah. When you got to point back to Jameis Winston, you're going back quite a ways now. Fair. So, <laughs> all right, Drew. Hey, can I tell the viewers what you told me last night? Yeah. Knock it out, brother. Our boys got some Jimmy Buffett tickets tonight. I do. Let's go. I do. Favorite a, song? Uh, Top three. Let's put you on the spot. Let's see if you're a real uh, Margaritaville fan. Well, I'm going to do for my first dance with my mom at the at the wedding coming up. We're doing Son of a Sailor. My, my mom's a, a sailor. She sells sailboats. So uh, I like Southern Cross. I think come Monday, one of his first music videos is, is epic. I'm a parakeet. All right. If you don't know what that is, it's Two parrot heads produce offspring a parakeet. So uh, because it's a parakeet. Fourth you got to let fifth, him fly. Yeah, fourth or fifth time I think I've seen Buffett live. So I'm fired up. So what do you – I mean, what do, what do we typically wear? I mean, I feel like I have a pretty good idea. We got a, <laughs> what type of shirt are we wearing tonight? Uh, Morgan got like some – I think we got some like parrot heads. Uh, Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. yeah. So Dude, I'm, I'm super, fired up. Super jelly. Super jelly on that front. Hey – but it's a little bit of a give and take, right? I know. We got Lance Zerline coming on the podcast tonight. Looks like I'm going to have to go solo, so I'm going to have a lot of fun with my questions. But why don't you do, – do you have a question off the top of your head that you would like me to ask him? Ooh. Ooh. I want to put you on the spot. I'll tell you what I got in my mind right now. I want to talk about Arch Manning, and I want to talk about, about the pedigree. And then three to four years down the line, when we're trying to figure all these guys out, and that's the name that you got to evaluate. And he's good enough to be in the neighborhood for number one. How does that impact a guy like that when you're evaluating him? Also, I want to talk about Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. Will Levis is really the guy. And then I kind of want to talk about Kansas City as a whole, what they did, and then kind of talk about the running back position, how it's devalued. The other thing for this, Drew, I want to take as much away from this as possible to be able to apply it and maybe find some things that we haven't thought about and apply it to our process. I would want, I would, question I would have is, and maybe that applies, ties into the, the running back devalued thing, but do you anticipate kind of a shift at the higher level to more of a power run game? Do you think more teams will be built like that from, from some of my reading and listening? Um, Seems to be super heavy on interior linemen here in the 2023 uh, class of, of draft class running backs. You know, do we get to a point where so many defenses are built to defend the pass that more and more teams are like, hey, we're going to go under center? So I would ask that. Um, 
I remember when we were with Jim Nagy at the scouting symposium back in August, he was talking about H backs and, and tight ends and, and how those are becoming more and more valued at the next level. So that, that's something I would ask for sure. Also want to ask him about the great myth of arm length for offensive linemen, you know, because the guy right now, one of the first tackles to come off the board, Peter Skaronsky, I think he's floating around 33, 33 inches. I have nightmares about Will Campbell and his 33 inch arms at LSU starts as a freshman. Just totally telling me to kick rocks, but all right, buddy. Well, I'm excited for you, man. A little Jimmy Buffett. Do you, hey guys, do you, do you follow yeah. him on Instagram? Great follow. Jimmy Buffett? Yeah. One of the best. What's his deal, man? Is he like married or is he just like living in Mexico? Like just living life, man. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less. Dude, my, my parents love some Jimmy Buffett. What's that song? Salt, salt, salt. Lost Shaker Salt. <laughs> is that the name of the song? I don't know. I don't think it is. Anyway, big Jimmy Buffett fans over here. Oyster Boys, Ropat Boys. If you see us on video, we both got Ropats on right now. Just We got the flow. We're feeling good. Guys, I got to remind you, make sure you subscribe to the show. Leave a rating. Whatever it is, you know, we rank players all the time. Now it's your opportunity to rank us. You want to give us a three-star? Great. You want to give us a four-star? Even better. You want to say we're a five-star? Might get a gift basket. If we're unranked, here's what it is, man. We'll, we'll go back to the grindstone. Sleeping we appreciate, on us. Yeah, sleeping on us a little bit. We appreciate it. Leave, leave a comment on there as well. Try to, be, try to be respectful. I get it. But for our director of scouting, an avid Jimmy Buffett fan, Andrew Ivins, and for producer Lance, got a birthday coming up. My man, getting old. Woo! For me, Cooper Patagna, guys, we appreciate you joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with our boy, Lance Zerline. Hope you tune in. Thanks again. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.